Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. And, uh, these Sunday mornings as we gather, you know, it's our prayer that Jesus would do a deep work of formation in us. And some of you have been walking with Jesus for many years. Um, some of you are just a friend brought you along and you're hearing of Jesus and his message for the very first time. And wherever you are on that journey, uh, we just believe that the Lord uh, has you here for a reason. Um, and we want to be under his, uh, the, the power of his spirit and the truth of his word here. Uh, we're continuing our series this morning. By the way, does any has anybody gotten this like spring allergy slash head cold thing going on? Okay, so yeah, a number of us. So we'll just share it with everybody. I don't even know if it's an illness or not. I probably should have said that. But um, <laughs> if if my voice sounds a little bit deeper than normal. You know what's going on. Um, we, we are continuing our series called Outpouring Through the Book of Acts, and we're walking through the story of the first followers of Jesus and how the Lord was turning the world upside down through them. Uh, we'd love to invite you to join us through the daily, which is a discipleship. We just are, have a practice as a church to just read through the scriptures during the week, saturate ourselves in the word. We talk about it in our groups, uh, discuss in our groups, and then we come here on a Sunday um, to hear a portion uh, shared. So this morning we're going to look at Acts 23, verses 1 through 11. So you can bring your Bibles, take your Bibles out, and you can track along with me. Uh, the, these 11 verses here are, are really what I would call the summation of the broader section uh, which really spans from like 21, 22 to 25. And it's kind of a peculiar sort of almost to the end of the book of Acts. I've, I've never quite known exactly what to do with it, but there's some uh, really interesting things happening in it. So before I read these 11 verses, let me give you a little background, okay? So the Apostle Paul, who as we know back from Acts 9, um, had a radical experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he was a religious, murdering, sort of like when you think about a really hypocritical religious leader, he's like the guy, right? And Jesus totally turns his life upside down. Um, he has this profound experience, and he begins telling the world about what Jesus has done in his life. So he makes his way to Jerusalem, okay? And there are some Jews who see him in the temple. This is the background to the, to the passage here. They see him in the temple, and they're like, that's the traitor. That's the guy who's, you know, he was totally on our team, and now he changed teams, basically. And so they drag him out, and they, be they start beating him up, okay? At this moment, a Roman tribune sees this going on and sees this mob and basically pulls Paul away, arrests Paul, because they're like, they're beating, up, they're beating him up, he must have done something wrong. And it's in this moment that um, Paul actually asks to address the very mob that was just beating him up, okay? So now he's here before the Jewish council, and this is uh, what we read, verse, chapter 23, verse 1. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by Paul to strike him on the mouth. Now wait for it. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. 
Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees, the other part Pharisees, these are two different sects within Judaism, he cried out in the council, brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of the Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes and the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, we find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, nothing like a good church fight, right? Right in the middle of the synagogue, or then the council there. Uh, and when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. Like, we got to get this guy out of here, otherwise they're going to rip him to pieces. Verse 11, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. And this is God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your Word uh, is true. It's truth, and we want to receive it in that way. And we thank you that your Spirit is here. You stand among us, Lord Jesus, and your Spirit is working. And we ask that your Spirit would illuminate truth to our hearts. You know what each of us need to hear this morning. You know those of us who need to be comforted, and you know those of us who need to be convicted and challenged. And Lord, we trust that you are powerful. You're bigger than we thought you were, and you can speak to us. And so we ask that you would do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the distinct aspects of the human condition that sets us apart from animals and the rest of creation is our ability to speak words that coherently communicate. Some animals have capacity to, to communicate through gestures or other bodily movements, but, but we as human beings uniquely have the capacity to speak words. And this is why it's such a big deal when if you have kids, your child is growing and you're like, can't wait until they say their very first word and you like try to get it on video or whatever, because it's, it's one of those things that so distinguishes what it means to be human. And it's, it's speaking words is, is what we might call a sacred act. And maybe you never thought about it. You just do it. We do it all day long. We just are constantly talking, but it's like, this is a sacred act of speaking words Matthew 12 uh, speaks about uh, words in this way, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? And listen, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasures brings forth good, and the evil person out of evil treasures brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Proverbs 18, 21 says it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
And the sacredness of our words, of, of, of us speaking words, are rooted in our createdness by God. So God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, in His very nature, is communicative. God is a communicative God. He communicates to us. He does this generally through the beauty of creation. We see that. But He also does this specially or specifically through His Word, written Word, through His Spirit, speaking to us through His Spirit. And he communicates uh, through words. He, 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 he brought the world into existence through his word. I mean, this is Genesis 1. God speaks and things come uh, to be. Um, and God the Son, Jesus Christ, the third person of the Trinity, is identified as the Logos in John 1 or the very word of God. And so it's no wonder that we have this sacred capacity to speak words. And this morning, as we look at this passage, uh, I just read these 11 verses, and it is the summation of this broader section where we see the Apostle Paul before a number of different audiences. He's before the Jewish council, and then he's before the Roman tribune, and then he's before a governor, and then he's before a king, and then ultimately he's appealing to Caesar, the emperor. And, and, and before each audience, before each different audience, we find Paul doing the same thing over and over again. Do you know what he's doing? He's speaking words. He has something to say. He has words to say. So we, we hear this over and over again. Paul spoke. Paul said. Then Paul addressed. I mean, I didn't really know what to do with this section of Acts because it's like the mission, the exciting mission in the first chapter seemed to kind of come to an end a little bit, and then it just like feels redundant in these four chapters. And like as I'm reading it and meditating and studying it, this go around, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Paul is speaking words here that matter. And that's what we're going to consider this morning. This is how it translates into our lives, is, is our spoken words. Because all of our days are given multiple opportunities to participate in this sacred act of speaking words. And the question for us this morning, the question for you this morning is, how are you curating your words? Are your words being curated? Because some of us in this room are speaking and saying things when we really need to shut up. Anybody? Yeah, probably half of us. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and some of us in this room actually have something to say and the Spirit of God is leading you to say something and, and you need to speak up. Some of us are overbearing or harmful with our words. We're harsh. But some of us are cowardly with our words and we're indirect or passive. And, and as David said, and as we talk about week by week, our shared vision as a church is that we would be transformed by the grace of the gospel. And part of that transformation is our words, it's the stewardship of our words. And that's our prayer this morning is that through the dynamics of our day, as we interact with people, those closest to us, strangers, whoever we come across, as we see this sort of model of Paul in, this chapter, in these chapters here, is that we would be ready on every occasion to speak the words that God has put into our heart. And in this section, we might, there, there's what I want to out this morning is what we might call four different kinds of words, four different observations around the kinds of words that Paul is speaking here. You can write these down and follow kind of along with us. The, the first kinds of words we find are words of witness. We're going to look at that. Uh, the second are words of restraint. Uh, the third is words of wisdom. 
And then the last is the Word of God. So let's look first at words of witness. And we, we really find this encapsulated in verse 1 of chapter 23. Here he is before the council again. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, here he is speaking. What does Paul say? Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up till this day. Now, the high priest is about to interrupt him, but what he's doing here is he's starting to do what he's doing in all through all these chapters, which is he is speaking the word of how Jesus has changed his life. This is a word of witness. These are words of witness. Uh, in chapter 21, verse 39, he talks about this story of how his heart was literally converted from, from a, being a religious uh, zealot to uh, being a follower of Jesus. Um, before Felix, uh, he, he shares the story again of, of what happened to him, how Jesus has broken into his life. And before Agrippa, if you've read this section, he is here before King Agrippa, and he's telling the story and trying with everything he can to persuade the king to become a follower of Jesus. We know that because actually the king at the end of, this, of Paul's words to him says, Paul, this teaching is driving you insane. Do you think that in such a short time you can actually persuade me to become a Christian? That's what King Agrippa says. And, and Paul says, absolutely, I would love for you to become a Christian, except for these chains that I'm in. There are opportunities we have every day to be a witness. And there are a lot of different ways to share the good news of Jesus. And we probably all have heard a lot of different ways to do that. There's not one particular way. But at the heart of every single, um, you know, program or every single way of sharing the gospel, there is something at the heart of it. And that is that we are sharing the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. You get a new phone. You get a new car. You get a new whatever it is, you are happy to evangelize the world on that thing. Are you with me? You get to tell all your friends, check out this new thing that I got. This is amazing. You, new gym, whatever it is, right? Come with me. You got to check this out. We're always evangelizing. The question is, are we always telling people the story of how Jesus Christ has broken into our heart and changed our life? That is how we are able and, and how we're called to witness in the world. Um, this is Paul in this section, what he's doing is the very thing that Jesus asked of his disciples, called his disciples to, and if you remember Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's amazing in this little progression, you don't see it directly, but you sort of see it as here Paul is in Jerusalem, literally he's in Jerusalem, he's there before Jews, and then he sort of goes out a little bit further to Caesarea, he's there with Felix and Festus and Agrippa, and then ultimately he's going to be going to the ends of the earth, a.k.a. Rome. In the first century, that was the end of the earth as they knew it at that time. And so here Paul is just being faithful to speak the words of witness that Christ has put in his heart. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says it this way, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone speaking or preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach or who speak the good news. David's going to talk a little bit about this more next week, but these are words of witness. They're right there in this passage, and if you read this section, you see Paul over and over again. He is telling the story of how Jesus has broken in his life. Is that something that you do? Is that part of your conversation with people? 
Do you know there are people that God has brought into your life? Friends, neighbors, co-workers who may not know, but they are desperate for the grace of God? And are we willing to be courageous and bold and talk about how Jesus has broken into our lives? And by the way, some of the best ways to tell that story is to start with your own sin, struggles, vulnerability. Because it communicates that we're in need of grace, that we don't have it all together. Secondly, there's words of restraint that we find in this section, chapter 23, verse 2, this little section that some of you laughed at. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. And then Paul said, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting in judgment? And are you sitting to judge me in according to the law? And yet, contrary to the law, you ordered me to be struck. And those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. What we find in this little section is what Paul should have done. It's actually a negative example that he actually should have practiced restraint. He actually should not have spoken that to the leader in his life there, right? Does that make sense? Um, I was fired from my first job for making poor choices with my words. Sorry. 16 years old, a little Italian restaurant about 30 minutes from here. And I had some choice words with my boss, and my boss rightly said, you can choose those words and you can find yourself another job. And that was it. And I can't tell you how many times over the years that uh, this tongue of mine has gotten me into a lot of trouble. Um, yeah, I was that. I was that punk kid who didn't have control over his tongue. And even to this day, I still struggle with this at times. I mean, last week, a friend of mine said, hey, remember we had that conversation last week? Yeah, yeah. Hey, remember when you said this? Yeah. That was really hurtful. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me. I had no idea. I'm so sorry. And, and, and one of the things I love about this is the rawness and the transparency of Paul's life here in that he, you know, uses words in unhelpful ways when he should have restrained his words, but then he's also quick to be humble about it. He's quick to apologize. And this is the story for some of us in our lives right now, is that um, we need to hold back. We need to not say things. We need to keep our, our mouths shut. Uh, a mentor of mine gave me this grid that I helpful uh, when you feel like, hey, I, I think I, think I want to say something right now, it's good to ask, does something need to be said? Is now the time to say it? And am I the one to say it? I mean, that would probably limit a lot of our words, right? <laughs> does something need to be said? Is now the time to say it? And am I the one to say it? James 1.19 says it this way, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And I love Jesus' words in Matthew 12, 36. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Right here in this passage, we see this incredible model of a follower of Jesus struggling with speaking when he shouldn't have spoken, but being willing to be humble. Is that you this morning? Is there somebody you need to go back and apologize to because you spoke out of turn, you said something when you shouldn't have? 
So there's words of witness, there's words of restraint, and then uh, the next kind of words we find sort of encapsulated in this passage we might call words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Chapter 23, verse 6. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of the Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead trial. And as we listen to this passage, this just sparked this huge conflict within the council. Now, this is something that Paul does in this entire section of Acts over and over again. There's a moment where he just sort of drops a little nugget in there. And, it, it, and, and the Lord uses that to shift the entire conversation, um, to, to get him out of trouble. And this is the kind of wisdom we need from on high. Um, in chapter 22, verse 2, for example, he's there before uh, the Jewish audience. And he could, continue to, he could have continued to speak in his own dialect, but instead he speaks to them in Hebrew. And, it's, and the Scripture says they actually quiet down to listen to him because he's speaking to them in their own language. Okay? He, had, he was given wisdom to know what language to use in that moment to speak to this group that they might hear what he has to say. Chapter 22, verses 25 through 29, um, he speaks of his Roman citizenship. Um, they're, they're beating him up, and, or they're about to beat him up, and he says, are you all allowed to uh, beat up a Roman citizen? And they're like, no, not at all. We're going to get in big trouble. And so all of a sudden, you know, he's sort of rescued from that thing. But he just dropped this little, this, just had wisdom in that moment, just dropped this in. Uh, in chapter 25, verse 10, uh, he's a Caesar. In fact, uh, at some point, Agrippa uh, or Felix, Festus, it may have been one of them, said, Paul could have gone free. We could have set him loose. But he appealed to Caesar, so we need to bring him all the way to Rome now. And, and that was intentional because he knew he had to go to Rome to speak these words as a testimony of Jesus. And so what's happening here in, in Paul's life, what's happening in this passage is that he's given words of wisdom. Psalm 3730, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. And I love uh, Jesus' words in, in Luke 12 and Luke 21. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meet, uh, mediate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. I mean, isn't that encouraging that the, the Spirit of God is going and willing to give us words of wisdom in each moment that we face, each audience that we're with, each situation we're in? He's going to give us words. Luke 12, 11 through 12. When, and and I, I just love how when the Gospels connect to uh, the book of Acts or to the epistles in such a great way, a lot of people like to break these things up, but there is perfect cohesion from the Old Testament to the New Testament and from the Gospels to the book of Acts to the epistles. Luke 12, Jesus' words say this, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities. That's exactly what's happened to Paul. Here's what Jesus says, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you have to say. How many of us live our lives just going through the motions without pausing to sit at the feet of Jesus, to pause in our hearts to quiet, Lord, would you just impress on my heart through your spirit, what do I need to speak in this moment? What do I need to say to this person? What do I need to say to this group? I don't need to be anxious about it. I don't even have to plan it out ahead of time. 
Not that there's anything wrong with planning, but God is faithful through his spirit. He will give you the words that very hour that you ought to say. We need wisdom from on high as we're speaking. We want to curate the words that God puts in our hearts. We want to speak those words as he gives us utterance. But the question remains, and and as we look at this last observation, what is it then that will embolden us to speak the words that the Holy Spirit has impressed upon our heart? And I love this section, and I love this verse because this is our last observation, words of witness, we have words of restraint, we have words of wisdom, and now this last observation, what we find in this passage is the word of God himself. After Paul's been through this hardship, after he's been through on trial, he's been through, you know, standing before people, and he's going to stand before more people, and his life is going to get threatened again, here's what we read, the following night, the Lord Jesus himself stood by Paul and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. This is Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who will go with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. In this moment where Paul is incredibly vulnerable and where he's struggling and where he's not sure what is going to happen with his future, Jesus himself comes, stands in his midst, encourages him in the night, in the dark of the night. He says, take courage. I am with you. And this is the foundation out of which we are able to speak, my friends. If, if, if the message this morning is just, hey, out of your strength, your wisdom, and out of your witness, and out of your restraint, go and speak words and good luck and just go for it, it we're hopeless. Like, that's what gets us into trouble. But it is the fact that the very God who created us, the very God who redeems us, is the very one who sits with us, who meets us, who is among us, who comforts us, who is with us, and tells us, take courage, I'm with you. And this was perfectly seen through the cross. On the cross, Jesus could have cried out and called a legion of angels to come to his rescue and relieve him of that suffering, but he chose not to. Instead, he absorbs the sin of the world. Instead, he absorbs all the way that we are careless with our words. And he takes it upon himself. And then he says things on the cross like this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it is finished. And what is he doing there? Through the cross, he is paying in love the price of our sin. And in the wake of the cross and in the power of the resurrection, we are found to be secure that we have, a, we have a, a Christ, Jesus Christ is not on the cross. He's alive. He's raised from the dead. He's among us. He is with us to encourage us in the night and say, take courage, my son, my daughter, I am with you. The cross secures us in such a way that we don't have to be fearful. That means that if the Spirit of God leads us to say something that's hard or might be offensive, 
or might be difficult for another person to hear, we can be courageous and love, humbly communicate that. And if the Spirit of God is impressed in our heart, you need to shut your mouth. We can do that. We don't have to be in control of the situation. Let it go. Release it. It's rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in his work. Matthew 12, 33 to 37, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Thank God that the cross renders us forgiven, loved, free, secure, so that we can have the courage to speak the words that he puts in our heart. A great story uh, in my own family this last, uh, over the last couple of weeks, one of my children, uh, some of their friends were having a conflict, and we were just processing a little bit together. It's like, what do you think? Does something need to be said? And my child was like, yes, I, I think I need to go into this situation and help these friends who are having conflict talk it out and work together. And it's like, it was awesome to see the grace of God in this child of mine's life, that they were secure enough to go to their friends, bold enough, courageous enough as a young person to go to their friends and say, hey, look, I don't know what's going on between you all, but you need to talk. <laughs> Anybody ever had that situation? <laughs> but how many of us back away from that? How many of us are timid? How many of us uh, don't have the courage to speak? The grace of God gives us the power and the strength to speak. May we be a people who curate our words. May we be a people who speak this sacred act of speaking words for Christ's glory. So I want to just leave us here as we close with a question of how, how might you respond to this this morning? Like, what is the situation in your life? Because I, I want to take it sort of out of theory mode here and bring it down into real-life mode here, because there's people in this room you know, there's people in your lives that you know. So let me ask you a few questions to kind of prompt this. I want to I encourage you, take your phone out, take something out to write on. Don't let the truth that we talk about here on a Sunday morning just go in one ear and out the other. Would you just ask the Spirit of God concretely what He would have you do to take that next step? Is there a person you need to say something to? Have you been avoiding conflict? Have you been avoiding a hard conversation? Is there somebody that you need to go speak a word of witness to, a word of wisdom to? Is there a person you need to not say something to? Maybe you've been saying something to this person over and over again. It's like, it's not helping. It's creating more problems, and you just need to shut your mouth. Is that you this morning? Does something need to be said? Does it need to be said now? Are you the one to say it? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you that you've created us with this sacred capacity to speak words. And Lord, it is our desire that we would curate these words under the power of your spirit that we would know what to say and when to say and how to say them. Lord, we turn from some of us in the room from our passivity and our unwillingness to have courage to be direct, speak words that you are calling us to. 
And Lord, some of us in this room, Lord, we repent and we turn from speaking words that we shouldn't be speaking and we haven't restrained. And I ask that for each person and each family, each circle of friends, each community in this room, Lord, that you would shape us and form us to be a people who would speak words as you give us utterance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Each week we